Stacy and I'm Norma and we're Black Girls with Accents. Welcome back. Hi Norma. Hello everyone. Hi Tracy. <laughs> so welcome back. We are on episode three and as you might recall we are tying our experiences of growing up black in Europe to the Steve McQueen series, Small Acts, because it resonated so much with us. And so we thought it would be a great way to discuss the movie as well as discuss um, being black girls with accents. So Norma, Lovers Rock, I absolutely loved, I mean, I loved all of the (laughs) films, but I love this one so much. What about you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I loved it, but I, I noticed that I think I loved it because it was like Ficarious Living for me. I really saw my parents in that episode. Like, yeah. I really saw, like, I was like, oh, this is, I remember them enjoying this. That's how I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> so, just to give you just some so, sense yeah. of what happens it in was... Lovers Rock, takes place. It's when one night, it's a night of, well, it's, it's almost like a, it's a coming of age, if you will, story. Uh, two young girls yes. get ready for the night. Lovers Rock is a genre of reggae music popularized in late 70s, 1980s. And um, that's where it takes its title. And so these two young girls are getting ready for the night. They're going to go to a dance or what we call the blues. And you know, just have a good time. Um, but during the course of the evening, quite a few things happen. And so McQueen is dealing with not just a group of teens having a good time for the night, but it's dealing with the experiences of being black in England at a particular moment in time and the ways in which, um, as we discussed in episode two, um, the community was able to find these spaces where they could just be themselves. And in these spaces, they were able to not just come together and have a great time, but to also express themselves. And there's yes. um, this really interesting scene toward the end of the movie that we'll get to where you really see how that expression of frustration about or in re, uh, in regards to the kind of the pressure and the mistreatment and the oppression, we see how that uh, is released yes. in the spaces. And for me, shout out to the writers because it's woven in or beefing. It's so perfectly. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would say it is. And so you said it reminded you of your parents. So do you mean to what we, we see, like, the preparation for the parties? And I, so I don't know if you're alluding to that your your dad or maybe somebody was a DJ, had a sound system or uncle. My dad was heavy into music. I I basically grew up with a lot of, basically Rastafarian. That's how we grew up. Right? And there's no other way to bring that about. And so we had Bob Marley was happy in our house. Any type of reggae music was happy in our house. But I'd like there were always images of Bob Marley on the wall. Harley Selassie was on our wall. It's still in my dad's house, actually. Just a lot of jamming is what they like, mm-hmm. you know. So they, they had mm-hmm. a lot of like music sessions at our house. He would always make music with his friends, mm-hmm. smoke weed. They mm-hmm. did do that. Mm-hmm. And so it's this constant feeling of hearing music being prepped. He, I know they probably went somewhere else to play. Yeah. But that prepping part was very familiar to me because that, that's how he used to, his friends or cousins would come over 
and they would practice. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And it's curious, right, if, if, for those of you who know Norma, right, it's curious to think that Norma, because Norma's, Norma's so proper, <laughs> to think that, and that's not to suggest that you can't be proper it's and true. <laughs> be raised in Rastafarian culture. Actually, because Rastafarian culture is quite proper in the sense that it's about having respect for self and the body and the mind and the highest mm-hmm. power and so in that respect. But you don't, you don't think Norma and think Rasta and her parents. No, you don't. <laughs> parent and her parents. And both my parents had locks right. at some point in time. My dad is all the way into my adult life. And then my mom definitely, like, and up until I, I feel like up until she actually started her job at the hospital. So at, at least until 12 or 13 or so. And then she, and then she used to have her afros all the time. Yeah, they were, they were, yeah. Rebels. It was clear. They were rebels. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a big deal yeah. for that time. So, yeah, so the film is, for me, very sensory. It opens with the men or young men setting up their sound system, which is all too familiar to me. The women are cooking. And, I mean, he spends a long time, and McQueen, the director, spends a long time really um, uh, kind of, with, uh, well, this is in film speak, right, with the missing scene. Um, mm-hmm. And also engaging our senses, you can see the food, yes. you can smell the food, you can feel the vibration of the of the um speaker's sound system. Like you if you've lived it, you see it's so familiar to you. And the women yes. and one of my favorite, favorite, favorite songs literally of all time is Janet Kay's Silly Games, which I actually posted or we posted last summer. Uh yeah. as one of our uh, <laughs> you know, something to listen to um songs back down memory lane. And so the women are singing silly games in the kitchen while the men are, uh, uh, you know, preparing for the evening with the sound system. And so it's for this party. They're going to have this party again, another safe space for the community to come and do what one does at the party. And it's mostly younger mm-hmm. people. We do see in the party there are some older people, but it's mostly younger people. So what happens in the night of this young girl, the two young girls, um, Beef Patty and Marsha? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um yeah. um these two girls are like any young girls, Norma, right? You and I both had our mm. share of shaking our foot. We had our nights on the town going to these ha- house parties where you're so um you're so excited, right? You want to catch the attention of some young man. Maybe there's one you know that's going to be there or you're hoping to catch the attention of a new one that will be there. Um, there's rivalry between you and some other girls that are there. But you're really <laughs> there to have a good time. And, you know, when I was younger, I was just thinking about myself and my friends and what we were doing. I wasn't really attuned to what was happening to other people in those spaces. I didn't even really care, Right. And in the film, we see um, it does a really expert job of addressing some of these larger issues, larger issues for the women, for the young girls who are there, but also for the, the male characters who are in the space. So for the girls, it becomes a question of um, self-validation. Yeah. Um, uh, as well as there's a danger all through the night you're waiting for something to happen you're not quite sure what's gonna happen but you're waiting yeah. you know it's building the tension is building it uses the music to build that tension I'll turn it to you Norma 
Yeah, it just I I went I I was still more on the nostalgia. Like I'm next to my parents. Then there's also like my teenage cousins. Um, mm-hmm. I think at the time when they're growing out, they're like seventeen and eighteen, and I'm fourteen. So the daytime stuff I get to do with them, like you know, like if it's like if they're gonna a lot of our stuff I realize is around soccer. So if they're going to hmm. go and talk to some soccer people or hang out around the soccer field, I get to go with them and they'll do stuff. Like they'll give me lip gloss and and the lip gloss that smelled very yes, strong too. I like, remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fake strawberry smell. Oh, yeah. And like, and do my nails and stuff and like put me in their clothes. So I would feel all like grown. Yeah. But then they used to go to this place called The Bock. And I never got to go because that I was too young. And I remember crying over it. Like, I was just so upset that I couldn't go. I was way too young. And I, I'm even imagining myself, like, what did I think I was going to do there with my 14-year-old body? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Between these grown-ups. And our drinking age is 18, so there would have been alcohol. Like, this is all these things that I'm like, this is absolutely not... Um, for me to be, but I used to envy uh, my cousin, my cousin Wendy, especially like she just looked so pretty and yeah. grown, and she would leave, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and have And I just wanted to hear all her stories and all her like who mm-hmm. was there, and mm-hmm. yeah. So and and then and then getting old enough to go to like our spot, right? And so even that became like like this big thing. Like I remember just um, uh, wanting to go to this place called uh, Metropole. And just, you know, putting on that outfit and now thinking back what I did not realize at the time, because we do have more white friends that mingle at times with black people. Yeah, yeah. But like those nights were specifically for blacks. Yeah, there, was I, I one. Now. there was always one. Yeah. There was always one in there. You know, yeah, there was always so, one. one. So, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I was going on black night. I didn't realize that at first. I thought I was just going at like to a club, but it was like, I realized now that there were specific nights where they were for yeah, like the yeah. black kids. Yeah, but yeah, I did enjoy it. It has, it had that exact feeling, the anticipation, yeah. wondering if the guy was going to be there, and, and the whole grouping thing, the grouping with the, mm-hmm. even like when I was in a, in my teens, like dressing alike with friends, yes. like I'm like yes, 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 yes. Totally, totally. I want to pick up on what you were saying about... So I loved all that. I love that feeling. Yeah. I want to pick up on what you were saying about the preparation, right? Because it was like a day-long thing. Mm -hmm. You went to the wherever you bought your clothes to get the outfit. You got it from the night before and the constant putting it on and how it was going to look. And well, not you or I, but the older siblings. Watching them do their hair, (laughs) the smell of the hair, the curling of the hair in that style from back then. You could smell the perfume even still yes. when you watch it. Like, he really did a great job and took yes. his time. Really took his time out laying this kind of the prep for the night. So one of the things what, that is apparent from um, kind of earlier on in the film is a sense of danger. When you're mm-hmm. young, you just think you're so invincible. Like, it's not on your radar. In the film, the two girls meet up 
together and it's late and they meet up in like a secluded it's like in a in a in a uh, in the swings in the park and (laughs) well playground i should say and i can remember doing things like that like i mean we lived in a small place and there wasn't high crime or a sense of danger but they're still perverts crazy people like anything could have happened and you're so giddy and and high on adrenaline that your thought is not this is probably not the safest to meet a friend in a uh late at night with heavy foot traffic and that's not on your mind it's like oh yeah we always meet here and this is where we're going nothing's gonna happen to us and you carry yep. that same nothing's gonna happen to us all the way through to the party and definitely that feeling nothing's gonna happen to us we lived in the west so it's still the center of amsterdam but the west side of it and then but a lot of the parties were on the east side mm. and i remember like We've even been to places on bikes and I'm like, but you're going to drink. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And definitely that or just strolling back because we were with a big group and we knew the whole group was going back. So we had missed like, because back then the train, the trams and stuff, there was times that it would stop. So I remember strolling kind of back from one neighborhood to another neighborhood. Like, but we're dressed in these skimpy things, right? And like, and (laughs) and heels and so yeah, this and then we always stopped for swarma too. Like we stopped to go eat swarma on the way home. And uh, I know some places in America stop at like two in the morning. We stopped at four or five, and so we're strolling back between the hours of five and six in the morning, and still stopping to eat swarma, and then <laughs> wow. and then walk home. And yeah, when I think of those things, I'm like, wait, that's actually dangerous yeah <laughs> right right beyond but you know the small x made me think of all of that yeah. it sure did yeah, yeah. <laughs> the blind optimism of, of young people a little bit naive right so yes. one of the things that we see happen in the film is you no know, because young women often don't have their guard up to be weary mm-hmm. of the young men the same men whose att- attention they're trying to capture they don't always have their guard up enough to recognize the kind of danger they can put themselves in and that's something that you know today there's a lot of talk about date rape and along with spiking of drinks people didn't spike your drink back then like you didn't have that that you know the kind you didn't of, have that feeling yeah you yeah. didn't even it wasn't even on your radar men pulling on you and touching you is kind of just part of the scene you used to mm, men yes. your age or older, you know, come here, baby, and all of that. And you just kind of like, oh, no, thank you. No, like, thank you, sir. Right. That used to be always my right. approach. If it's... <laughs> yeah. Making sure your, your friend is close by to see, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, thank you. But still kind of maybe a little secretly pleased that someone's paid you some attention, even though it's the wrong, a wrong attention. The wrong attention. And then... We saw this in Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You, how, you know, friends who come together are supposed to stay together. And it's... I have a big issue with that. Yeah, like, so, yeah, so you can go ahead, jump in. No, 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 it brought me frustration, but I have a big issue with that. I saw, we saw it again in Small Acts that the friend leaves right. and kind of not even with a clear, that the the friend who's being left is, has a clear sense that she was left. And... And so when she looks for her, it, yeah, I think I'm just triggered by that feeling of danger. Because, you know, when she looks for her and walks into the street and then this group of white English boys is like, hey, like kind of acknowledging her. And although she does, didn't feel safe at the party, she walks back to the party. So it's almost like the like, you know, yeah. the evil, you know, versus yeah. the, and that and for some reason that just sits so I cannot believe that another woman 
I know it happens, don't get me wrong, but I, I have a issue with it that another woman can think like, I can't leave her though because this is too dangerous for her. Right. So whenever I see it, it really irks me. Yeah. I um I was so worried when she left because I was actually worried for it's Patty and Martha. I think I said Marcia, which is my sister's <laughs> middle name, but um I was so worried when Patty left. Now Patty, much like we saw in I made a story, she leaves because she doesn't get the handsome guy. She's yeah. fine when it looks like, oh, there's some interest. But then when she doesn't get the handsome guy, um, she's ready to go. I was worried, yeah. actually, like, what was going to happen to her. Like, gosh, I hope she makes it home. That's my, that was on my, my thought. Yeah. But oh, yeah. Back to what you said about the girl is kind of caught in the middle. There's a group of white youth who start making racial comments and then behind mm-hmm. her is the house, the safe house, right? So that's a great way, I think, in the film of directing the way McQueen shows us and them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the tension between us and them. Because while they, when they start harassing her, she's a little bit frightened. And then the bodyguard from the house comes and they retreat, right? And so mm-hmm. you have this power dynamic um which is very interesting too the white guys get the oh we can arrest this black woman on our own defenseless yeah but this when this black man comes you know they have Never to mind. yeah right they have to drop it um but it, mm-hmm. i think that that makes a powerful statement about the position of black women in british society not that that, that it's the black male that has come and save her but in this particular moment, she's subject to this abuse, right? And Most she's, vulnerable, yeah. And she's defenseless uh, against it. But moments later, we see how she then exercises her own power uh, yeah. and is able to... Um, Join the party. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. able to come to the assistance of another black woman, but against a black man, which is interesting, yeah. right? Because that yeah. happens moments later. The film, the girls are at this party, and then the film does move slowly, right? Because you're waiting for, yeah. okay, so what's the, where's the conflict? Where's the, where's the, you know, where's this going? A friend shows up, friend shows up, who has this knowledge. And he reveals, what what's revealed in this very short scene is that Martha, um... She's having this great time, one of the greatest time, nights of her life. She's met this guy and he's handsome and he's you know, Prince Charming and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, but then this friend, this male acquaintance shows up who at first is not kind of a desirable uh, visitor, guest at the party. Mm-hmm. But then he's let in, he gets the money and he gets in. And then he gets into it with Martha. It turns out that they are family friends and he did. she didn't uh, attend his, his mother or father, mother's funeral. Mm-hmm. But then it's what he says. He, he chooses this moment to kind of out her mm-hmm. and so you go from her feeling so elated and we know what that's like right it's like the someone like kind of exposes you in front of a room full of people and yeah. the shame that you feel right you're, you're, you're unprepared mm-hmm. she can't defend herself against that and there's no one that can rescue her from that the yeah. doorman can rescue her from these white youth who were harassing her knight in shining armor can steer her away from other leering men in the room but no one can really yeah. save her from the past this, yeah like this harsh truth that's just thrown in your face yeah and so in that yeah, mo- that's yeah in that moment she just has to swallow it 
right? Yeah, for me, it was like just linking it to like experiences that I've had. I, I felt like it's that, that, and it's the same thing. Like it could be nights like that where you, you feel beautiful and you're interacting and then it's just undermined by somebody out of the blue. And so it takes you out of your element, even though you're still in the same great space. Like you said, like the, the, the episode has a lot of breathing room. Like there's a lot of, Seem like how you said, like you have that feeling of waiting that something is going to happen. And while I watched it, I realized that maybe the intent was to learn to just be mm. because I had been so anxious, um, just scanning the environment. And then when I finally said, especially when there's the when they're singing a cappella during the party. And I, I, there was a restlessness in my body. And I'm like, okay, it, it, this can be over. This is too long. And then I caught myself thinking, why is it too long for you? Why can't you just be in this like moment? And I think that's when I realized, like, you've been in this moment so many times. Like, we, we've, and this is a tragic story, but we, we went out one night. Um, the, I think it's a Christmas party. And it was like, again, the, that same club that I was talking about. And, and it's, um, it's, uh, um, everybody's out and about my whole, my whole neighborhood is there. And I'm, <clears throat> I'm just remembering these different pockets of me being in that place and interacting with different people. And the, the older brother of one of my peers was sitting on a, on a, on a stool at the bar. And I remember like, passing him uh, and not saying anything to one another, even though I know that we know each other, right? Because you know who everybody's sibling is and whatnot. Right. And I'm feeling myself too. I'm in this cute dress. I don't want to talk to this older sibling. Like, right. I'm looking for the people that I want to interact with. The evening goes and then all of a sudden I'm like, you know, like this, like people are talking and like whispering and I'm like, what's going on? And they were like, um, his name was Wendell. <clears throat> Wendell got stabbed. And I was like, no, Wendell is at the bar, you mm. know? And they're like, no, Wendell got, Wendell got stabbed and like he take it away in an ambulance. He got into a fight outside of the club, blah, blah. And I was like, I swear, I just saw him at the bar. I don't think it's right. I think it's true. And so the evening just continues, right? Like, right. even though we just heard that news, but right. the evening continues because it happened right outside of the club. So um, the evening continues, we go home and then the next day, my brother is like completely distraught. And I was like, what happened? He's like, Wendell died. And I was like, why do people keep saying something? And he was like, he got into a fight, he got stabbed, and he died. And at that time, I think I was 17. I think he was mm. 19 when he died. Mm. And I remember that being like the biggest thing that ever happened to us. Right. But I still, if I think about that night, even though that danger happened, nothing happened necessarily. Like we, the club wasn't shut down. We weren't, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. music off, go home. Yeah. Like it kind of keep going. But I remember all the whispers like, did you hear when I got, you know, when I got stabbed, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, that's not true. And we just went about our evening. And so when I was watching it, mm. I would remember thinking like, why are you scared now when you've actually been in this environment? And, and mind you, nothing like that actually happens in the, well, in the episode. Yeah. 
But like, I remember thinking like, you felt safe in places that people consider unsafe right. before. Right. Oh, yeah. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Yeah. That's powerful, yeah. Mama. Yeah. I mean, they're in their own bubble. They're in, in their, their own, own bubble. World yeah. When you're, and especially at that age, you think you're so invincible and you're so self-absorbed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the whispers are like, oh yeah, yeah. And also because you don't want to absorb more than that. You want to have your good time. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to dwell on that. Nobody wants to go to the hospital and say, oh, really? Is he okay? Let's go outside it, and see. Nope. That's not the the focus at that. At, right. As adults, your first thing is drop everything. Let's go to. Yep. But you're not at that age. You're not. Um, it's interesting what you said about the breathing room, because I, there is, I too, I don't know how long that scene is. I think it's probably maybe three minutes, but it feels like 15 minutes. It definitely feels like nine minutes <laughs> it feels very long and i was impatient with it too but what's wonderful about it is um to see this expression it's a very spiritual um it is moment uh, especially for those who are rasta in particular um as they express themselves through dance and movement and chanting and um, it's mm-hmm. a really beautiful thing. And I'm actually, I, I'm one who doesn't quite approve of people capturing people's uh, spiritual expression. I, I think there's something wrong about that, but we see that happening. Um, mm-hmm. Along with, um, it's kind of a gendered uh, response, right? You see the women, you see the men first primarily, and mm-hmm. then you see the women the men are mm-hmm. more using their bodies and the women are more using their voices. Voices, really, yeah. Um, I've never seen anything like that in film before, no. ever. Um, because I think typically they would be told to cut it. It's too long. Um, what does this mean? Uh, yeah. But it, it was... Because that's what happens also in a club, right? That the DJ will... I don't, I don't know the DJ language, but he will um, or she will... Um, play back the chorus over and over, the favorite part, yeah. and um, yeah, it goes on a. It, yes, it can go on a couple of times, maybe four times, but this is like yeah. uh, uh, way more than I've ever ever heard. It's a it's a beautiful moment. It's a you know it on is. first viewing, it's like what was happening? Like was he all right still? But when you reflect on it, it's like there's something. There's an energy in the room and a and a good DJ knows how to read yeah. the room and so it's clear that the people need this release i was emotional yeah, release. the release because i was i've been for me it went from like a hurt to expression to releasing and i yeah i i think it's, yeah it was it was a beautiful moment i've absolutely not seen that before in film and i um like almost like i, I almost want to like apologize for like not wanting to give it space at first. I was like, why is my body so resistant? Right, right. <laughs> Just let it be. Like, why can't it be? Right. Uh, and yeah, and so now I now I get to that point and I'm like, wow, it was really, it was just like, just just be, just enjoy this part and let it take it wherever it takes you. But, and, and so what's curious is right after that release, in a space where they're safe and they can be in this yeah. moment without the eyes of the white community judging, shutting them down, telling them they're nothing. Right yeah. after that, there's a scene where that bottle top is put back in, right? The cap is put back on, the valve is closed, right? And then characters have to yeah. once again go back to 
kind of negotiating this tension with being black in Britain and the way that you have to deal with the overt racism, the way that you're belittled and undermined. Yeah. Um, so we don't want to give too much away, but someone, yeah, that that ending is interesting, right? Because the night was great. Yes, couples are formed and love is found. But then it it culminates in this moment that reminds you of your place, quote unquote, yeah, uh, in British society. And I really um, to I try to uh, think of times or. Um, experiences where I felt that that put in place um, type of feeling and I was really thinking of like my work environment and the the one thing I can say is that um, I remember I'm tying it to this work experience that I want to share with you guys which is that um, I worked for a telephone company and um, and there and within like nine months made all these promotions and was running their billing and processing department. And then the guy who was overseeing me left. And then they didn't promote me and flew a guy in from Australia. Wow. And I had to train him. Whoa. Because he didn't know job. But yeah. I realized that his place was being paid for. Mm. It's like, and it's, he's a white, yes, he's a white guy. And so then this then i go away for a long weekend and it's the weekend that our that that our 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 funds come in basically like our payments fall into our 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 company's account and um but i trained him right and he's the head of it all right and so i go away and they do it wrong and so for the first time ever the the company does not have the funds in their account Mm. um and i so i come back and I have to save it. I have to fix it and whatnot. And so after coming back and having the most hectic week trying to fix his mistake, I did go to um, the person above him, which his name was Mark Bernard. And I told, I said, can, can we speak about like my salary and like the reason why I didn't get the, the position and stuff? And he was like, well, you know, you don't have this degree and blah, blah. And I was like, but yet I go on vacation for three days for a long weekend and your place falls apart. Right. And I was like, I just don't, I don't understand like how, how my second, if I'm operating as a first, um, I don't remember being so nervous. Like that whole conversation, I'm like, did I even really speak? Like I felt like my voice was low, but it was just not sitting well with me that, I was dealing with that. He did give me a raise and he did give me a bonus. And but it was already it was already a good company when it came to income. I have to say it's like the best income till this day that I've made in my life. And I was in my early 20s. So mm. it was absolutely great yeah. timing. But I I just remember that it it just did not sit, sit well in my body, even though I played that role. Right. And 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 I didn't even know why. I was necessarily playing the role, but it wasn't sitting around my body. But I had that difficult conversation and in the most awkward way. It wasn't in a don't it wasn't a don't imagine a black magic power movement. Like my voice was low and just kind of really broken. It wasn't a I didn't feel empowered in that moment. Mm. I realized that afterwards I I achieved something because him giving me the bonus and giving me the raise. Right. But 
I still felt like, um, I felt very ashamed while having the conversation. I felt like I, I was not allowed to say what I was, what I was saying. Like right. I could feel the heat in my, in my face. Right. Uh, and then still knowing that even though I got the raise, there was a severe discrepancy. Like when, cause the Euro is coming at that time too, right, right, um, right. Around, along that time. And then um, the guy, the white guy makes a comment and said like, yeah, I guess now I will be making like, I guess like, 5,000 euro, which meant that he was making 10,000 yes. in Gilder. Yes. And I was only making like a, like 5,500 right. in Gilder. So I was still making half his income yes. while I ran that job. And so, yeah, so a, a, a month also, a month. And so I, I, so that always stuck with me. Like, damn, I thought this race was good. And it was still half right. <laughs> of what he was making. And he did not know how to do the damn job. And his apartment was being paid for because he was coming from wow. Australia to live in in the in the Netherlands so Jeremy Bell <laughs> wow. so yeah it's just those those things like really stuck with me but he was Jeremy I have to say was a person that would always tell me that I was very talented the person that that I trained he he and he was always very um supportive of me moving to the US huh. so there's certain things that, that but I that know your place part definitely played a role. Even though I was not taught that from home, I was really that really comes from school. Yeah, because my dad was very um, vocal right. about like fuck that. But then I also knew that society saw my dad as like a rebel and scum and whatever blah blah. So I was very torn about having that focal voice and so i i definitely behaved proper all, most of it like i i was very much the i can show you that i can yeah i can fit mm -hmm. yeah but in your own way deep down you knew it wasn't right so you still spoke up yes. yourself right like even and that's in, from my dad yeah, yeah. like even it just in did your not way, sit well even if you didn't go in there being very assertive and you weren't loud and you weren't demanding even in a shaky voice, right, mm -hmm. feeling very uh, intimidated. Yeah. And no matter what, you know, you're jeopardizing your job, maybe even, and you've got a mouth to feed, and you still went in there. You still yeah. needed him to explain to you face to face why you couldn't have had the job and, and, and basically made him own up to, yeah, you still need me. Yeah. So that's a, that's a fascinating story. I'll. I don't have one on the top of my head. I'm sure there's been many. Um, but um, I think that ties into the movie beautifully. Um, beautifully. And um, like all good movies, it ends with the kid sneaking in and pretending she's been in a bed all night. Yeah, um, I love that part. <laughs> really just very well done, I'll say. And I actually know one of the screenwriters, Courtney Newland, um, oh. who I met. God, about 10, 15 years ago, um, who's a, a, a writer. Um, he's written many, many, many books. Um, among them, I, I don't want to get the title, I believe he wrote The Scholar. Um, yeah, The Scholar, Society Within, The Book of Blues, bunch of books and plays. A really great guy. Um, so, yeah. Another one, another great one by McQueen. We encourage you to watch it. Um, episode yes. two of Small Axe called Lovers Rock. 
music is great as well. I was just going to say, enjoy the music, just settle in. Yeah. Memory lane for those of you who were born certain certain time period. So um, enjoy it. Thank you. Yes. Thanks, everyone. You can find us on Instagram, Black Girls and Accent. Leave your comments. We will be posting. And so you'll know what episode and you can leave us your comments and uh, definitely check out the series. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter, all the same handles. And we look forward to hearing from you guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.